Hebrews chapter number 13, before we read, let's just kind of think our way into the Scripture this evening. If God created us, and He did, and if God loves us, and He does, then it just follows logically that the God who created us to have a relationship with Him would somehow, in some way, have to reveal Himself to communicate Himself to us so that we can know Him and we can know about Him and we can be drawn into relationship with Him. And there are many ways in which God has done this. He reveals Himself through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. He reveals Himself through the conscience. We're all born with an innate knowledge of God's existence and certain facets of His character. But ultimately, what God did, the God who created the heaven and the earth, the God who created each of us and put us here on purpose, He wrote a book. And in this book, He reveals Himself to man. The Bible is a complete revelation of the person and of the nature of God. And God gave us this book because He wants us to know about Him, the facts of who He is, and then He wants us to know Him on a very personal and intimate level. And can I say tonight that God is not who we imagine Him to be? And God is not who society pretends that He is? And God is not who the culture wishes that He was. God is who He said He was. And God is the one who is revealed to us in the pages of the Holy Bible. He's holy and He's righteous and He's just. And He's gracious and He's merciful and He's long-suffering. He's all-knowing, He's all-powerful, He's all-present. He's the epitome of love. He's the definition of truth. He's the source and sustainer of life. And we could go on and on and on this evening and out into eternity describing the grandeur and the majesty of the person of God. But there's one particular attribute I'd like to focus on this evening, trace it through the Scripture, then make some application and hopefully be a blessing to us tonight. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, Jesus Christ, the same the same. Yesterday and today and forever. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2.9 that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the description we have here in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8 addresses the eternal nature of Jesus Christ and the fact that He is unchanging. What He was, He is. And what He is, He always will be. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. When we wake up tomorrow, He'll be the same God that He was before. And on into eternity, there is never a time, there is never a place when there will be any difference in the nature of who God is. He is the same. There's a word that we use to describe this 
aspect of God's nature. It is called the immutability of God. Immutability is unchangeableness. It is the quality that renders change or alteration impossible. It's not just that he hasn't changed. It's not just that he won't change. He can't change. He's the same. Look at James chapter 1, just a page over. James chapter 1, in verse number 17. Here's how the Bible says it here. James 1, in verse number 17. The Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Can we stop right there for just a moment and acknowledge that God Almighty is the source of every blessing we have ever enjoyed in this life? Anything good that you have, anything good that you've experienced, any blessing in your heart, in your home, in your church, it came down from a good God. And then the verse finishes this way. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The God who has heaped all of these blessings upon our lives to this point, He's always going to be the same. Every good thing I have enjoyed, I owe to God. Every good thing I will enjoy, I owe to God. And as long as there is a God, I can expect Him to be good. Don't you love the fact this verse says... Not only does he, do, does he not change, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He doesn't waver. He doesn't vacillate. We are so fickle. We are so volatile. We are oftentimes so wishy-washy and inconsistent and up and down. But God, he, he's immutable tonight. I believe we sang it this evening, or maybe Benjamin's playing it on the piano, about our sins being cast behind God's back and in the depths of the sea. Aren't you glad this verse says he's not turning around? He took my sins, he cast them behind his back, and he's not going to change his mind about that. He's not turning around to look at where they went. He's immutable. Look at Psalm 102. Book of Psalms. Psalm 102, verse 25. Here's the only verse in the Bible on the age of the earth. Psalm 102, verse 25. doesn't say a whole lot, but it says this. Psalm 102 has nothing to do with the message. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Psalm 102, 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. How old is the earth? It's old. Yeah. <laughs> older than you, older than me, not older than God. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of thy hands. Verse 26, they shall perish. Yeah. It's temporal. Why are we invest in so much time and effort and energy and money in that which is temporal and is set for destruction? Right. They shall perish but thou shalt endure. Look at this. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. Clothes, they get old, need to be replaced. The earth is the comparison. It, it 
Just like a garment gets old, this earth is wearing out. The law of entropy, right? Second law of thermodynamics. I mean, it's just decaying. Everything tends toward disorder. The Bible says, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Think about that tonight. Do you know the Bible promises that God's going to wipe out this heaven and this earth? He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Everything here is going to be burned up. There's a big bang. It didn't start the world, but it's going to finish the world, right? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We're going to be around to see that, to enjoy that, to experience that. You know what this verse just said? When God swaps out the old heaven and the old earth for the new heaven and the new earth, it's just like changing clothes. That doesn't require a great deal of energy or effort or forethought, except for some of you ladies. I mean, it's a simple, common, ordinary thing, right? God said, yeah, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's just like you going in your closet and changing clothes. Verse number 27, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. There's a lot of change that's taken place in creation over the course of the past six, 7,000 years. There's a lot of change that's going to take place in the physical components of the heaven and the earth, but God is nothing like that. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. He's immutable. Let me give you two reasons why God is immutable. Reason through this with me. Think about it. First of all, God's immutable Because he's eternal. His immutability is connected to his eternal nature. Because change is a chronological phenomenon. What does that mean? It takes place in time. When when there is a change, there is a time before the change. There is a time after the change. There is a point in time in which the change takes place. For instance, one day, your mom became a mother because you were born. They wrote down the time that that change took place on a birth certificate. Now, you'd already been a human being for about nine months in the womb, right? Some of you are mothers today. Only your children haven't been born yet, right? But there, there was a time before you were born, and then you got born, and then you had been born. It's kind of like getting saved. That's why it's called a new birth. It's something that takes place in a moment of time when you choose to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's why when somebody says, I've just always been a Christian, they're evidencing they have no idea what they're talking about. That's not how this works. You must be born again. Requires a sequence of events. The reason that God is immutable is because God is eternal. He dwells outside of the boundaries of time and of space. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, 15 that He inhabits eternity. 
In Psalm 90, verse number 2, from everlasting to everlasting. That's, that's both directions. Thou art God. And I, in, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, he told Moses to tell the children of Israel who had sent him unto them. And the name that he gave Moses was, I am that I am. Not I was what I was, not I will be what I will be, because what he was, he is, and what he is, he'll always be. He's eternal, he's unchanging, he's immutable. Not only is he immutable because he's eternal, he's immutable because he's perfect. You see, you and I need to change. Right? We all need to learn. We need to grow. We need to adjust. We need to repent. We need to apologize. It's a very important skill to learn. Guys, you want to have a happy marriage? Learn to apologize. You want to be right with God? Learn to apologize. You want to get along with people at church? Learn to why? Because sometimes you're wrong. Listen, we need to change because we are very far from perfect. You know, God has never had to apologize. God has never had to go back and fix something that he said or that he did. Isn't that amazing? Everything he thought was right. Everything he said has been right. Everything he's done is always right. He is the rock, Deuteronomy 32.4. His work is perfect. He's righteous in all his ways, Psalm 145.17, and holy in all his works. If God were to change, there's only one way he could change, and it's for the worse. People change, and it can go either way. But God's perfect. And he's immutable. What does it mean to us that God is immutable? It means two things. First of all, it means that we can know him. It means that we can know him. Think about that. It means that whatever we learn about God has always been and will always be true. Can I give a dangerous illustration? I need to ask my wife for permission to give this illustration. Pray for me, brother. So, Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 6. is speaking about the strange woman, not the virtuous woman, but sometimes it can go both ways. Listen to this. You're familiar with this verse from the Bible. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Right? Guys, do you know what the Bible tells you to do in 1 Peter 3, verse 7? It it says you are supposed to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. You are supposed to know her. I have not experienced this. I'm not testifying. I've just heard people say that that can be real difficult. (laughs) Because it's, it's hard to know someone if they're always changing. It's hard to pin someone down if they're always shifting. That's good. 
And I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm just trying to illustrate tonight. You can know God because He's always the same. Because He doesn't change. Because whatever is true about Him will always be true about Him. And you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to hold true five years down the road, ten years down the road. He's unchanging. You can know Him. I was talking to the teens in Sunday school this morning about how thankful I am that I'm not a teenager in 2023. When I was a teenager, woke meant you had been asleep and you're no longer asleep. Can you imagine? Listen, people try to keep up with the change taking place in our culture, yeah. it's an impossible task. Right. They're always moving the goalpost. Oh, yeah. Whoever was progressive yesterday is canceled tomorrow because they can't change fast enough. Right. Listen, it's not worth it. Just stand on the truth of God's Word. Just plant your feet on solid, unshifting ground. God's immutable because He's eternal, because He's perfect, it means we can know Him, and it means we can trust Him. It means we can trust Him. Malachi chapter 3, turn there with me. Get Malachi 3 and Lamentations 3. Malachi chapter 3 and Lamentations chapter 3. The immutability of God's a real blessing. Malachi 3, Lamentations, chapter 3. Malachi 3, verse number 6. This is a book that is pronouncing judgment on the nation of Israel for their iniquity, for their idolatry. Look what it says in the middle of all this. Malachi 3, verse number 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. And what follows is a real blessing. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now again, this book is a pronouncement of judgment upon the people of God because they had long since forsaken Him and rebelled against Him and turned their back on Him. But God had made a promise to Abraham that He would make him a great nation. He'd make that nation a blessing to every nation. He'd give them an eternal possession, a land of promise. And God's not a man that He should lie. And because of the un changing nature of God, the nation of Israel would not be consumed. That people would continue. God would send His Son into the world to be the Savior of all men. But if God had not been faithful, that nation had long since been exterminated. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, there is reference made to the promise God gave to Abraham as the only reason that people would continue. And tonight, Israel's not the church, and the church is not Israel, but I believe we can make some application, don't you? Look at Lamentations chapter 3. I had it a second ago, I just lost it. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 21. 
Lamentations 3, verse 21. The Bible says, This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm a Bible-believing Baptist who holds to the doctrine of eternal security. What about you? The unchanging nature of God is the basis for that hope that we have. His mercies are new. His compassion is great. His faithfulness never fails. I got saved over 30 years ago when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm still saved today not because I've been a great Christian. Still saved today, not because I've maintained membership in an independent Baptist church. The only reason I woke up saved, came to church saved, got to get up in the pulpit saved tonight, is that my soul is in the keeping power of a God whose faithfulness is great, whose mercies never fail. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not an Indian giver. That probably got me canceled right there. But the Bible says the gift of God... Is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. If you're still saved tonight, you should be thankful for the immutability of God. Come to Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6 is the only place that a word occurs in the Scripture... And it's where I want to draw the application this evening. Hebrews chapter 6. God, God is immutable. He's, he's unchanging. It's impossible for Him to change. Because He's eternal, because He's perfect. means we can know Him. means we can trust Him. And it's something that ought to have an effect upon our lives. This is what the immutability of God should make us. This evening, Hebrews 6, verse number 13, the Bible says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Can I stop you right there? Think about this. Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Look, look down at verse number 16. For men verily swear by the greater. Why is it that somebody smacks their thumb with a hammer, they don't curse Muhammad. Why is it when somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, stubs their toe, they don't curse Buddha? Why is it they take God's name in vain? They're just just proving the Bible true without even knowing it. Because men swear by the greater. That's a blessing. Unbelievers prove the Bible to be true. Verse 14, saying, Surely blessing I'll bless thee, multiplying I'll multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmations, and them an end of all strife. Wherein God, verse 17, willing more abundantly to show in the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Verse 18, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us, entered even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In this passage in Hebrews 6, we have two immutable things, two unchanging things, God and His Word. In the passage, there are two things we have because God is immutable. In verse 18, we have a strong consolation. In verse 18, we have a hope that is an anchor for our souls. And in verse number 19, there are two things that God's immutability should make us. Should make us sure. It should make us steadfast. Steadfast. Theology is the study of God, the, the knowledge of God. And when you study theology, they will often divide the attributes of God into two different categories. There are what, what are called the communicable attributes of God and the incommunicable attributes of God. What that means is this. There are certain aspects of God's nature that He cannot share with us, that He cannot impart to us, that we cannot take on ourselves. God is all-powerful. That is an incommunicable attribute of God. God is um, omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. Those are aspects of His nature that He cannot share with us. We cannot take that on ourselves. There are different aspects of God's nature, of what makes God who He is, and those parts of who He is are communicable. God is love. He wants us to learn that. God is gracious, He's merciful, He's compassionate, He's long-suffering, He's kind, He's righteous, He's holy. He wants us to take on those attributes in our lives. That's what it means to be godly. And, and the ultimate goal of the Christian life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that He wants to impart to us His divine nature. Right? The immutability of God is an attribute that I would say is incommunicable. We, we, we've already discussed the fact that we need to change. We need to grow. We need to adjust. We need to repent. So it's not that we can be immutable in the way that God is immutable. But if we know and love and serve a God who doesn't change then it ought to make us these two things in Hebrews 6. We ought to be sure. We ought to be confident. We ought to to grab hold of the hope that anchors our soul. And we sure enough ought to be steadfast. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Here's why I believe this evening that this particular attribute of God is so important for us to lay hold of. Because there is so much pressure in the world today on churches like this one 
to change, to adapt, to compromise, to give in, to water it down, to lower the standard, to adjust the music, to dim the lights, to stop being so dogmatic about that old King James Bible, to take the hymnal out of the back of the pew and replace it with a worship team on the stage. You understand, there are so many that are blown about by every wind of doctrine. And tonight we need to settle in our hearts and minds that God is immutable and that God is unchanging. And if it was wrong 20 years ago, guess what, brother? It's wrong tonight. How can we justify this sea of change when we claim to serve a God who is immutable? Brother Brent, my family first came to Sweet Springs Baptist Church in 1997. That was a long time ago. And there's a lot that's different. There's a lot that's changed. And I mean that in a good way. But I'm thankful for all the things that haven't changed. Still preaching the King James Bible. Still singing the great hymns of the faith. Still holding the line on biblical standards and convictions. Still trying to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why that is? You know why that is? Because your pastors and your leaders and your deacons and your preachers have held the line. Believe the book. Believe that God doesn't change, so why should we? You know, it's a blessing as we get to drop in from time to time and visit and see what God's doing here. And pastor mentioned it to me in conversation this morning is all the young families that God's given you here at Sweet Springs Baptist Church. Now, we're thankful for you elderly people as well. We owe to you a great debt of gratitude. Aren't you glad that you got a church full of teenagers and little ones? Young families, teens... Where will this church be in 25 more years? That's not up to the pastor to decide. He'll be gone. Hopefully not. But it's within the realm of possibility. It's going to be up to you. Will you hold the line? Will you be steadfast? Will you plant your feet on the solid ground of the truth of the Scripture? Or will you be the generation that gives in and compromises so that there's not a Bible-believing church that the people who still want one have somewhere to go? It's up to you. God's immutable. When you are tempted to shift, when you are tempted... To give in to the pressure. I just want you to remember, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. 
What a blessing to have a church with young families, little children, moms and dads who are doing it right. With your family in church, in the Word of God, protecting them from that crazy world out there. I've been in ministry long enough that I've seen plenty of those kinds of families totally shift, shift course as soon as those kids turn into teenagers. What changed? God didn't change. The Bible didn't change. The truth didn't change. I don't think that we can take on God's immutable nature, but I believe we ought to at least reflect it. Amen. Refuse to compromise. Church, don't give in. Continue thou in the things thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Ultimately, that's a God who doesn't change. What a blessing, what a blessing that there are little pockets of biblical Christianity that are left. But it is incumbent upon us to to dedicate our hearts and our minds and our lives to making sure that continues. Listen, you back up your preacher when he stands on the Word of God. You hold the line with your kids when they turn into teenagers. You read the book, believe the book, go by the book, and listen, listen, it still works. God still works blesses biblical Christianity. Ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way? And walk therein. Why? Because God's immutable. Not worth it to change. Now, when you need to repent, do that. But don't compromise.